Accessing library computer data. Out there, there are no saints. Just people. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. We're going to be talking about Deep Space Nine's The Passenger. This is episode 9 of season 1, directed by Paul Lynch. Story goes to Morgan Gendel. Teleplay goes to Morgan Gendel, Robert Hewitt Wolf, and Michael Piller. It aired back on February 22nd, 1993. In this episode, a sinister criminal is hiding in the mind of someone on Deep Space Nine. Um, yeah, it's just me again for this one. I won't get into it uh, too often, but after this episode, we'll be back with the guests. But I think that I can cover this one uh, by myself uh, to keep people having podcasts on a Monday. So I'm going to be talking about The Passenger. I'm going to play an audio clip. We're going to come back, and then we'll break it down. The autopsy revealed nothing out of the ordinary. Fingerprints, cerebral cortex scans, retinal patterns all matched up perfectly with the records Kajada provided. Vantiger may have faked his death before, but I don't think he's faking this time. Why was he coming here? Well, that Cobliad. The Deridium. I'm sorry. The Cobliad are a dying race that need Deridium to stabilize their cell structure. It prolongs their lifespan. The Federation's been working to supply them with Deridium, but even the new deposits from the Gamma Quadrant aren't enough to service the whole population. It's so scarce that some of the Cobliad have gone underground to get it. So he was coming here to hijack a shipment? Exactly. Is Kajada satisfied with your autopsy? I don't think anything's going to convince her he's dead, Commander. Vantika has been the focus of Kajada's attention for most of her adult life. In a way, they were as intimately connected as any two beings could be. All right, so the thing coming into this one, I guess, the big one was that my mind was sort of primed. Uh, Donald Trump invented the phrase, uh, prime the pump. He primed the, prime the pump of my mind with the passenger. With people on Twitter who were talking about it. Uh, there's, I think it's Mindy and Neil were the two that were sort of uh, prominent. And they um, were not happy with the passenger. Uh, I don't think I'd ever seen this one before watching it this time. It didn't seem familiar at all. Uh, and there was a lot of sort of um, sort of fan feedback and not, not fans of the podcast, but sort of like a general sense that The Passenger is not a very good episode. And I'd agree to a point, I think, with that. Like, the The Passenger is pretty good, in my opinion, for like the first 30 minutes or so, like maybe the first... 20 20 to 30 minutes until you get to the point where Bashir is revealed to be this uh Thai or no, what's his name Vantica something like that yeah uh this Rao Vantica I think that's his name and the whole premise to that point sort of falls apart just because of how awful um Bashir is for the rest of the the episode and Alexander Siddig just for whatever reason, completely shits the bed with this sort of reveal that he's the criminal. And it's really pretty awful. Um, but before that, I guess we'll get into the positives before we start talking about the negatives. The, the the positives for this episode is that I actually didn't think it was all that bad as a episode that is exploring character relations. And also, it's the first episode that's really sort of branched out into examining what the strife would be between the Federation and the Bajoran um, components that make up the crew of the station. They've mentioned it offhand a couple times before this one. Um, 
you know, it's a big deal in Emissary. And then after that, the episodes that come after it's it's kind of forgotten or it's paid lip service as opposed to being a primary focus. And you'd imagine that there would be a lot more strife and everything going on with the crew members um, who are rubbing up against the sort of the tightly wound Starfleet people going with this sort of Bajoran um, loosey-goosey approach, which is not really loosey-goosey, but they've sort of, because of the way that Bajoran independence was won, they have a much more fly-by-the-seat-of-your-pants approach to things. And you would think that that would lead to a lot of strife between the two of them. And here, it it does a really good job of setting that up largely through the Odo and his, um, his sort of new underling guy uh, who comes in, the lieutenant who is coming in and sort of serving as Starfleet's counterpart for uh, Odo's security forces. And you get a, I like the interaction there. I think that that's a really good Odo um, establishment. You you get a lot out of Odo in this one. You get a lot out of Cisco, I think, in a lot of ways. When uh, the lieutenant who is new to this position shows up and Cisco kind of chews him out saying that he could learn a lot from Odo. And it's not Starfleet's place to sort of rub uh, the Bajorans the wrong way. They're there to work with them. And that his sort of Starfleet training is going to have to be dropped at the wayside if he wants to continue on with the station. It's a really good moment for Cisco. It's probably Avery Brooks's best scene, I think, so far when he chews out that guy. And it's a good moment for establishing what life on the station is going to be like at this point. And the passenger should be applauded just for being the first episode in this episode nine. It's the first one that's really dealt with this in any kind of way. And I think that's really interesting. And it, it's also a good episode for Odo in that it shows that Odo's sort of pride in his work um, is paramount to him. And it also shows that Odo has an ego that can be manipulated. Um, he is able, Cisco is able to sort of convince him to stick around just by sort of playing, uh, like stroking his ego a little bit. And Rene Aubergenois uh, does a great job of playing off that. And he, he plays the, Odo is very gruff at the start, but you can see the sort of like change in his eyes as things are coming along. And he's realizing that like people do appreciate him and stuff, and he's going to be willing to stick around for it. So I thought that that was really, um, pretty neat and it's it's good i would argue for the first 20 25 minutes of the episode it's a solid character piece that has this sort of minor mystery going on but the minor mystery isn't really all that important in the grand scheme of things it's it's the cold open where bashir and kira run into this um uh, situation and bashir is acting a dick which i guess we should talk about a little bit but bashir is acting a dick they find the um this ship that's in some sort of distress and there is a prisoner on it. The prisoner dies, but not before he grabs Bashir's throat. And then he, uh, as we learn later in the episode, he passes his consciousness into Bashir's mind and Bashir carries around the sort of the brain of a serial killer in his head and the serial killer can take him over. Uh, or he's not a serial killer, but he's some kind of um, criminal. He's, he's trying to hijack something and sell it or keep himself alive forever or whatever. It doesn't really matter. Um, he, passes that into Bashir and Bashir there's then a mystery quote unquote for the rest of the episode as to who it is it seems pretty obvious uh that it's Bashir uh, doing this behind the scenes but then it's revealed that it is him and he's been in uh had this stuff put into his brain and blah 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 and that's when Siddiq sort of loses his mind in the acting realm but before that I thought it was it's good it's a good character piece episode it's good at setting the stuff that's going on in the station 
Um, the episode is directed. Well, this is directed by Paul Lynch. I don't know if he's done anything before, but they're starting to figure out how to shoot the station. Um, noticeably, there's a lot of nice little camera flourishes in this one, the camera pans and things like that. Um, they shoot well in ops. They have these sort of conference table in the middle of the operations uh, room, the bridge, basically. And they're starting to shoot that well. Things look good. They know how to seat people at it and how to get the proper angles going and everything like that. Uh, there's a lot of sort of character work in the dark hallways where the camera is also matching it well. Like there's a lot of zooming and not zooming, but a lot of like camera moves in and camera pulls out that uh, look very nice. And everything's starting to feel like the show is settling into a uh, aesthetic and a sort of look that they're going to be going with. So I don't know if... Paul Lynch directed anything before this, but he's certainly a TNG director, so it's good to have um, him here. And there's a lot of TNG people working on this at this point, so I, I don't know why they sort of had a trouble at the start. I guess it's just getting into a new series and everything like that. You've got to work through all the stuff, but it certainly feels like they're getting to it now. And, you know, you you get a little bit of the... In addition to the Odo and Cisco stuff, I think Quark is probably the third most important character in this one. Uh, besides the besides the fact that it's a Bashir episode, you don't really learn a lot about Bashir. But Quark is in it. You get a good sense of the um, sort of nefarious stuff that he's up to on the side, where he is selling access to this deronium or whatever the hell that the chemical is that uh, Vantica is trying to get. Quark is setting up a deal with some shady characters in his bar, and you you get a good sense of. It's stuff that had only previously been hinted at. You'd, it had been hinted at that Odo was suspicious of Quark, but here we get the reason why. Uh, we learn why Odo always has his eye on him, because he's setting up these kinds of black market uh, dealings going on in his bar. So that's nice. You get a little, a little bit of character insight into those three. Uh, you get a little bit into Bashir, but not really a lot. He's still Bashir is still the sort of nuisance dick, young hotshot guy uh, that. He's not always going to be stuck playing this sort of characterization, but he's he's really ineffective at this point. It's not a very good way for the character to be. He's he's too obnoxious at the start of it, and the episode is supposed to be a kind of a comeuppance, and it ends with him saying that, oh, I can't even remember. I feel a bit embarrassed. Maybe I shouldn't be so high and mighty. But it doesn't really have anything to do with fixing his ego. It's because he didn't have... He didn't learn... He didn't have a comeuppance to fix anything at this point. Like, he his mind was controlled he doesn't even remember anything that he did so it's not like it's a very effective story for telling you that Bashir is growing as a person and it's really just a straight sci-fi techno babble thing where you know it, it relies on the trope of the humans only use seven percent of their brain or whatever that statistic or that number always changes depending on who's telling the story but you know so much of the brain is not used i think that's been largely disproven at this point i think that they just didn't understand what the brain was doing i think when they, they came up with that number but i'm pretty sure most of your brain is important um i don't know the actual science maybe someone who does know uh, neuroscience could be able to tell me that but i, I feel like there's a uh, all, all the parts of your brain are fairly important and there's no sort of blank 100 gigabyte section that you can just sort of put stuff into um, and I don't care in terms of the episode doing that. It's, it's fine. It's just, it feels like a very dated science reference to have that kind of a thing. But for the purposes of the episode, I think it works fine. It gets that sort of Star Trek-y mystery thing going. Well, he's, oh, he's in your brain. Whose brain is he in? I don't know. We got to go find him. We got to go figure it out. So it does that fine. And then the episode basically collapses under the weight of uh, Siddig's terrible acting as Vantica inhabiting Bashir's body. 
It goes on for about 15 minutes. It's really awful. And I was enjoying myself up to that point in the episode. And then that part happens. And it's really, really terrible. Um, There's not much you can go to describe. The way he's talking is, oh, do you think that, Cisco? I don't know why he's talking like that. It's not like the alien race had been portrayed as speaking that way because the only time you hear the the original killer talk is when he's dying and he says something like push away or something like that um so i don't know if bashir is if that's supposed to be inclined uh, we're led to believe that that's the way this guy actually talks his entire time and not just when he's dying but bashir takes it to heart and he talks that way it's a terrible performance it has absolutely nothing going for it. And then it resolves itself with a kind of a, a neat idea, but it's really anticlimactic where they put Bashir into uh, the sick bay and then they beam the offending brain cells out of his brain and put him into a little jar. Um, I, I like the idea of using the transporter that way. We've never seen the transporter used in surgery like that, which, but it makes a hundred percent sense. I think we've talked in the podcast about why do people, if they're busy, even eat, they should just beam the food into their stomach and be done with it. Um, this is kind of the same thing. It makes a lot of sense that they would use a transporter for surgery. Uh, the sort of in-story explanation as to why they would do it, it would probably be something like it's too imprecise or something, but um, the transporter seems to have no problem replicating an entire person. So I don't know why they'd have a problem getting rid of a specific segment of that person. But outside of that, it's just a, it's another one of those bad Star Trek things that we've always mentioned on the podcast about, um, you can't just have this sort of, there's no drama in a scene where the tension is not grounded in what the audience is watching. Like a lot of the time we mention it when the ship has a countdown and it's going to blow up or the station has a countdown and things are going to blow up and the camera is shaking, the countdown's going. And by the time it hits one, they figure out how to fix it and the whole thing stops. And that's the end of the uh, drama. It's a terrible way to do drama because it feels very forced and it feels like they didn't have a better storyline to go with so they're just going to have the ship blow up and we'll do a countdown and people will care it's always the worst it's always the worst kind of resolution here there's no countdown but it's the same kind of like oh did it work is it going to work 30 seconds later oh it worked okay okay okay. we're we're good we're out of it it just feels lazy it feels dumb um and then it wraps up with a, a really weird scene the weirdest scene of all might be they've beamed the uh the sinister criminal, according to Wikipedia, they've been the sinister criminal's brain into this little jar and the bounty hunter police woman who has been hunting them the entire episode uh, says, what are you going to do with her? Are you going to give him back to me? And Cisco says, sure, you can take him, do what you want. And she just takes out a phaser and just lights up the little jar and it disintegrates it. So she kills the guy or kills his uh, brain cells at that point, effectively killing the guy uh, as we're led to believe. And then she walks off and no one says anything. It's a, it's weird just because it got to that point. It feels very artificial getting to that point. And it's another thing of if that had happened in any of the other episodes where the episode ends by them catching a person that they've been hunting, which probably has happened in what, 50 episodes across all the shows so far at this point. If in any of those episodes, the person had just pulled out a gun and shot the criminal, it would have been like, whoa. Whoa! What's what? What was that, what was that about? Well, that seems kind of drastic, but I think it's here because it's a a brain cell that's been shown to be that person. It's not as offensive to just kind of like uh, lace them up and just call it a day at the end of it. it it's weird. It's just 
it made me think that I don't know. It, it it made me wonder why they did it. Like, why wouldn't she just take him back? Why, if this was the case, why didn't she just kill him when she had him in the first place? Like, she'd caught him early in the episode at the beginning. She's caught him. He's in his her prison cell. Why didn't she just kill him then? Why does he's obviously done this before? He sort of jumped between. Um, he's figured out a way to move the body or the soul into the body or the mind or whatever. If you don't want to say soul, but he's done this. And it just it just feels weird at the end. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel appropriate for Star Trek. Um, and if they're playing off the Deep Space Nine as different kind of thing, it just doesn't really land well with me. I don't know. It just it, it's not even a big point, but it just kind of stuck in my mind as like another on the way out. This episode kind of messes everything up, in my opinion. Yeah, but that's that's it. I don't think it's the worst episode I've seen so far this season. I think it's pretty... The first half an hour is pretty enjoyable, in my opinion. Um, I don't know. We'll get to what everyone else thought when I get to the uh, patron thoughts after this. I think I've wrapped it up, though. That's my general take. Um, it's a pretty good opening. It's a good character piece. It's good describing the station situation. I liked it for all of those reasons. I think the acting outside of Siddig are is pretty good. Everything, uh, you get a lot of Odo stuff, you get a lot of Cisco stuff, and that's all good. We're still missing O'Brien. Um, he's still on Earth, I guess, with Keiko uh, at his mother-in-law's birthday party or something. Uh, we're missing him. It'll be nice when he gets back. I think he'll add a little bit uh, to the stories that are going on. But outside of that, it just it devolves into nothing. A terrible uh, performance at the end, a terrible sort of resolution, an anticlimactic resolution, and it ends up really knocking it down. Um, so that's it. I'm going to take a break. We'll play an audio clip and come back and I'm going to read the patron thoughts, patron thoughts, and then I'll give my final thoughts and ratings as well. I'm Benjamin Sisko, commander of DS9. Ray O. Vantica is my name. But I assume you know that already. I want to talk to Dr. Bashir. Unfortunately, he's not available at the moment. Is he all right? His body is, how do you humans say it? Fit as a fiddle. Looks rather good on me, don't you think? What have you done to his mind, Vandika? It was necessary to render him unconscious for the time being. However, I might consider leaving his body and returning him to you. But first, you must release your tractor beam. I can't do that. If you don't, I'll take this vessel to warp. The tractor beam would rip apart your ship and you and everybody on board would be killed. Exactly. So if you care at all about the welfare of your doctor, you will release your holderness. You have one minute to decide. All right, so The Passenger is done. We're done with episode nine of season one. Uh, critically reviled, I guess, although I, I don't even know if that's really true. I don't see any of the ratings here. It was reviled by people on Twitter, and so I'm going to assume that, that uh, they speak for the entire world. But no, I, I didn't think it was that bad. Um, I thought it was... I thought it was pretty okay up until the very end. But let's see what the patrons think. If you guys aren't familiar, if you support the show on Patreon, 
at any level, you can leave thoughts on the upcoming episodes and I'll read them on the podcast. So we're going to go through that and do it right now. Kyle Barrett writes, The Passenger. Not a fan of this episode. Sid exacting from fake coughs to becoming Vantika is student film level bad. It's so obvious Vantika is Bashir because of the voice that the entire mystery collapses and I hate that Star Trek falls back on the myth that only humans, that humans use only a small amount of their brain power. Um, I'd agree with that. I, I, I do want people to, um, to know that I, I'm, I'm trying to avoid reading the feedback until I get into it just so it doesn't seem like I'm stealing people's ideas, but we're obviously going to touch on the same points. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, the acting's terrible. Uh, the brain power thing is stupid, and I, I kind of agree, although he says he's not a fan. I I don't know. I'm, I'm having a hard time deciding if I would consider this to be one of the best, five best episodes we've done so far, um, despite the fact that it's a truly horrible ending. But anyway, we'll get to that. Nick Sergi writes, Passenger is passable for about 30 minutes, but you're right. Whenever an actor uses the bad guy, quote unquote, bad guy voice, there's nowhere to go but down. Prior to these last few minutes, the show, which has a generic story, at least has a decent atmosphere. Um, yeah, I, I, and I'd, I'd agree. I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd use the word atmosphere, but I think that the story before what happens at the end there is pretty good. And it, it is a generic Star Trek story um, tacked on to the Bashir part. And that's why it kind of feels unsatisfying where the rest of it is not that story. It's about the deep space nine, um, environment. And that's why I prefer the earlier parts of it. Um, once they turned it into the generic star Trek story, it's nowhere near as interesting and everything falls apart. Then we have, uh, this is a long name immunities, the podcast where America changes overnight fictionally. He writes, when I watched The Passenger back in the day, I was immediately struck by the similarities to the German movie Testament of Dr. Mabusa. Given that The Untouchables TV show was having a plot based on M at the same time, I guess someone at Paramount was a big Fritz Lang fan. College Me would have had more to respond to this. I saw the, um, is it The Testament of Dr. Mabusa? Is it, what the, let me search this. Is a, no, isn't it, what the hell is Dr. Mabusa? Dr. Mabusa. Sorry, I should have uh, I should have looked this up back while um, before I got in here. Fictional character made famous by Fritz Lang. Okay, uh, the character was designed deliberately to mimic villains. Jacques' goal were commercial success and to make political comments in the same way. The sound. I'm thinking of Dr. Caligari. Okay, that's what I'm thinking of. I must have watched a Dr. Mabusa um, film. I think I've seen the Cabinet of Dr. Caligari which is a um, very early silent horror film, which is, and it's actually terrifying. Um, it, it's probably one of the scariest movies I think I've ever seen, just because of the silent film nature with how the atmosphere of that movie um, comes together. It's, it's like freaky as hell. So I don't remember Dr. Mabuse. I might've watched that. And if I did watch it, college me would have had a lot more to say about it. I don't really remember anything now. So I don't have a lot to comment about on Fritz Lang, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, let me, let me know if people think that The Passenger is actually um, similar to The Testament of Dr. Mabusa. Lewis Brantmeyer writes, The Passenger was really fun. I always had this half-memory growing up of Bashir as a bad guy with a, I thought, Borg-looking backdrop. Returning to this episode made sense of that made sense of that memory and made for a really cool exploration of the concept of transfer of consciousness, explored before in TOS, but dramatized possibly better here. Uh, there wasn't much solid character work, and it fits the theme so far, really just plot-driven, but I liked it. Um, yeah, I mean, and I'd, I'd probably disagree, I guess, Lewis, with the, um, because I think it's mostly good character work at the start. Um, and 
I would agree with you that I think it was a fun episode. I had fun the first half hour. I enjoyed the show. It's just it's such a terrible last 20 minutes that it really everything crashes down around you. Um, but yeah, I, I guess that uh, the Patreon comments weren't really as negative as, ever, uh, as the other stuff I was reading. So maybe it's a little bit of a hit or miss episode for people. No one seems to think it was great, but no one seems to think, or some people think it was terrible, and no one seems to really think it was great. And um, I'm going to give it... I think I'm going to give it a two. It was a high three, I think. And the, the ending, which is so stupid, just drags it down to a two, I think. Because if you fix that, it's actually a pretty good story. Um, and you get rid of that Bashir stuff. And uh, that would bring it up to a two. It's a story that had potential, but they had a couple of screw-ups in it. And it just knocked it down. Guys, thank you very much. That's my final thoughts and ratings for this one. Uh, the Passenger, which I did not mind. I thought it was pretty good. Um, you can... Support the show by following us on social media. Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash the Penske file. If you support the show there, like uh, a lot of other people are doing currently, which is much appreciated, you get special perks. You get some podcasts you can listen to. And if you're on the highest tier, I get to read your name out here now for being a, uh, a supporter of the podcast. So I appreciate it, guys. This is the highest tier of patron supporters. It's Stephen Cobb. Ben Douglas, Tex Albert, Kyle Barrett, Joint Mango, Vincent Adultman, Doug Valkamp, Tarek Latif, and Magpies Nest Productions. Guys, thank you very much for supporting the show. Um, we're going to be back with the episode that's after this is Move Along Home, which everyone seems to hate. So we'll be doing that. And then after that, we have the Nagus coming up. Sean uh, Murphy and Clay are coming on to talk about those two. So there will be guests in the next episode. I guarantee it. And hopefully uh, we'll have guests going forward for the rest of the season. I think it should work out that way. Anyway, guys, thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I enjoyed The Prisoner. And then it all kind of fell apart in the last 15 minutes. Hopefully this podcast has avoided uh, meeting the same fate. Thanks. I'll see you next time.